We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Nick, I had a bit of a nightmare. Didn't get to watch uh, much of this game. Kyle Lowry was flopping around like he always does. Oh, wait, that wasn't a nightmare. It actually happened. It did happen. You know, Justin Anderson told him, stop flopping. Nets uh, suffered Game 3 loss, 117-92, down 0-3 in the series. We're going to jump into that. But as always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But... Jack, where do you even start with this one? Obviously, without your boy Joe Harris, it was a tough one. Uh, it was a tough one indeed, Nick. Tyler Johnson uh, got the starting nod at the shooting guard position, and he played. He was probably the Nets' best performer, uh, to be honest. He led the team in scoring. He was efficient from three. He was efficient from the field. Uh, not the not the same could be said from uh, a lot of other guys uh, who who suited up tonight. It was just one of those games, Nick. You know, they're they're just better. They're just better. And yep. even if Kyle Lowry is annoying as hell in as many ways as and as many synonyms as you can think about him um, they're just a better team and they are likely to get the brooms out 
Um, and, you know, hopefully it just gets everyone healthy uh, and the Brooklyn Nets and they can get back and, and everyone's sort of healthy. And, and the same thing for Joe. We wish him well. Um, there's Tyler Johnson had some comments to say, you know, saying some things are bigger than basketball. So um, we probably assume that there's certain things going on in Joe's personal life that uh, are much bigger uh, than a game of basketball, especially against the Toronto Raptors, where there's just no point. Um, so wish Joe well. And, and we wish hopefully that this team stays healthy. But you know, you get little things out of these games, I guess, Nick. And, and I guess it's probably more important for the role players in Carol Savert in terms of how he's playing. Similar things, I guess, in the, what we sort of said in the, in the preview to this series with Matt. Yeah, and I think today, even talking on the last show, like life was going to get a lot tougher for Karis LeVert and Jared Allen in this game because no Joe Harris, and that was the one guy that Toronto had a respect to the three-point line. And without him there, they were just really able to eliminate that pick-and-roll offense. Like Jared Allen did not catch any oops today, did not get any easy layups. His only points came at the free-throw line. So it's just going to be a difficult task, obviously, in Game 4, but it was anticipated, you know, given missing Joe and obviously the rest of the pieces on the roster. But you made a nice point about Tyler Johnson, who I felt like really stepped up today. In the let's stick with Jared Allen. Nick. How does a, a guy of his stature not get a field goal attempt? Obviously, he did take four free throws. Jacques Vaughn did mention that after an ATO, they did run a play for him to get him involved. Did have 17 boards, um, which is crazy. Three assists is still in a block. So obviously, he obviously he's making an effect on the game, but no field goals. Yeah, I think like. It's a combination of things. Like I mentioned, you know, Toronto really shut down that pick and roll, just able to kind of, you know, clamp him down and not allow him to get those free, easy looks. And then some of it's on Jared Allen. Like there was a couple possessions where he probably could have took a dribble and attempted a layup or some type of shot in the paint, but he's a little bit passive aggressive at times. And that this is one of those scenarios, especially when the Raptors kind of took him out of the offensive mix. It felt like he didn't really want to be that aggressive in terms of shooting. You know, the rebounding was great. Defensively had some great possessions, but like, you just need to realize, like, hey, they're going to eliminate from the game. I still need to have some type of offensive impact, given how many pieces are missing on this roster. If, you know, Kyrie's out there, Katie's out there, Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, and all those guys are getting shots, and he doesn't take an attempt, that's fine. But given this scenario where you're the second best player on this team, like, you just need to find ways to score. And we know his skill set is limited, but you'd like to see him be more aggressive in a couple scenarios. Yeah, I think in, like he hasn't necessarily been taking a, a large amount of shots anyway. Obviously, you have Joe Harris in, um, in the lineup as well, previous games, to sort of take 50, uh, sort of 15 shots or so, or so. And Jared Allen was taking maybe about 8 to 10 on certain occasions, and that's minimum of what he should be taking. You know, if, if it's the offensive boards, you know, surely you get a, a bit of a putback there. Um, and, you know, he needs to do better in that regard. I think that still making an effect on the game in terms of the, the rebounding battle, but you know, he just needs to be more aggressive. He needs to be more confident in his own skills. And he needs to just be better out there in a lot of ways. And uh, unfortunately, you know, he just wasn't able to to, to make the impact offensively uh, as we know that he can, because he has developed a little bit in that regard uh, in this bubble situation, sort of showing some confidence with the, the lefty hook, the righty hook, a, a little bit of putting the ball on the floor as well. So, uh, but we'll get to Tyler Johnson. Just one more Jack point on him, uh, Jack. Yeah. You mentioned it. Like, we've seen a little bit of the hook shots and, like, hey, you got five offensive rebounds. Like, they all didn't come outside the paint. There's a couple scenarios where it's just like, hey, like, you're almost seven feet tall. You're one of the best athletes in terms of the center position. You can go up and score over these guys. Like, you can score over Serge Ibaka. You can score over Marcus Gasol. And you definitely can score over Siakam and OG and Kyle Lowry down low. So, like, there just has to be a, a point for him to realize, like, hey, 
these guys can't really block my shot unless I give them the opportunity, especially if you're shooting a hook shot. It's already tough as hell to block that. So you really have to mess things up to not get a good look there. Uh, yeah, it's a good point. Uh, but hopefully it's a learning experience for Jarrett and you know he comes into game four uh, with a, a bit more confidence, a bit more aggression in terms of getting his own. You know, he can he's in terms of uh, you know the three assists for him, it's good. You know, I think that he's gotten quite better, uh, a lot better to actually probably in, some in fatigue sh- for him too going throughout the series. Oh yeah, no doubt. There's there's probably fatigue a plenty uh, for a lot of these guys playing, you know, high level minutes against a high level team where they they're, they're going to force you to give effort on both ends of the floor every single possession for the 33 minutes that he was out there. So yeah, these guys are, are, are no doubt fatigued uh, for sure. And despite a couple of games rest here or there for uh, some of the big three guys, uh, Joe Harris, Jared Allen, and Kyle Savert, you know, there's no doubt that there's some fatigue setting in. But Nick, a guy who doesn't seem to be showing much fatigue at all is Tyler Johnson. 24 minutes for him tonight. Got that starting role. 80-15 from the field. 5-9 from three. Had three dimes. Had a board. 23 points for him. What did you think of his performance? Yeah, the shooting looked good. We've talked about his jump shot in the past. Just the ability to be a little bit more scrappy than maybe some of the other Nets guards out there. And I want to say there was a play in the third quarter where he got elbowed in the face by Marcus Gasol. And it really like turned him on. Like all of a sudden he just hit a couple threes. He was just like a little bit more engaged. So I think you like to see that activity and aggression from him and you know like he's no joe harris but he at least was able to give some production from the three-point line you're never going to complain about five and nine no especially when you're getting to 11 from our tlc the waterfalls went happening a garrett temple was back in his game one form uh, with one of nine so uh, 320 we'll between get... those two yeah not great uh not great <laughs> or as uh as the the gift says not great bob uh to be honest but we'll get to Garrett Temple because you put out an interesting poll. So we can sort of chat about both their games and then dive deep into to this scenario that you posed uh, on Twitter. Garrett Temple, 36 minutes, 2 or 12 from the field, 1 and 9 from 3, 4 boards, 2 assists, a steal, only 5 points, 4 turnovers. But defensively, Nick, you know, the, the stats don't necessarily show that. How is he on that side of the floor? Yeah, he's been his you know normal self, being that veteran presence, not the best athlete, but understands the fundamentals, understands the positioning, is probably not going to give away any easy baskets. So still good on that end. You know what I mean? It was just like, he's not a great three-point shooter. He's a streaky three-point shooter. He's never been like an elite guy in this category. So the game plan for the Raptors, like we mentioned in the preview, was to be give this guy shots. And if he hits them, so be it. If he doesn't hit them, that's what we expected. Yeah, it's <laughs> streaky. Is he is literally the definition of streaky because he has a game like he did the last one where he's shooting 40, 50 percent, and then he comes down and he's shooting what 12, 13 percent. Um, it's uh, it's, it's going to happen because obviously the attention that goes to Joe goes somewhere else, and when you don't have a, a legitimate three point threat as good as TLC has been and as good as Tyler Johnson has been. You know, that, that attention, you know, they can hone in in different ways and they will give you the three in certain ways. And that certainly also plays into your head psychologically. It's like, these guys don't even think I'm a good three-point shooter. Oh, man, that, there's, it's a mental game basketball yeah. in a lot of ways. But From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging to simply making it through each busy day. Everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne CBD products. Started by Jason Westland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help you soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefit of using CBD in treatment. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, 
grown in the US and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use Sterawan's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover your body, and Body Bomb for targeted relief and sleep tincture to drift into deep night sleep. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 17th, Therawan is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all Therawan products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from Therawan, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something Therawan is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire. But until Labor Day, go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Nick, the poll you put out, we'll have a bit of a discussion about, is uh, if you can only have one guy on next year's roster, who's it going to be? Garrett Temple or Tyler Johnson? It's neck and neck right now in terms of uh, the the voting. 48.5% for for GT and uh, 51.5% for Tyler Johnson. If you could vote on your own poll, Nick, who would you go with? Yeah, this is really tough. I think a lot of it maybe comes down to further roster construction. If you're able to get some more defensive-minded guys in free agency or via trade, I think you lean with Tyler Johnson here, given what he has, especially if you know, maybe you look to trade Spencer Dinwiddie or Karis Avert. He fills more of that like scoring guard role. But if you aren't able to add any defensive-minded guys, you want to have Garrett Temple there. But I think at the very minimum, both these guys on next year's team should have a small role. Like It wouldn't be anything substantial where they're at the end of the rotation. I don't think you really want to depend on these guys. There might be a little bit more hope for Tyler Johnson, given he's younger and there's a chance maybe he can get closer to that heat level, which we saw in the past. But Garrett Temple being up there in age, he's more of like your steady vet. And I think you'd look to play him like, you know, 12 minutes a game if that. You know what I mean? You just don't want to have to depend on him offensively. He just wants to give you some of that veteran presence defensively and for that bench rotation. So it really, for me, I know I avoided the question, but it really depends on what Sean Marks does further down the line. Yeah, it's a, obviously we should see uh, – Plenty of moves made in the offseason, and we'll get to, to the draft talk as well a little bit later in the pod, uh, the lottery uh, and the the numbers and the order are set, so we'll get to the Brooklyn Nets in that situation too. But Who is uh, your preference, th- Jack? Oh, man, it's a tough one. Uh, you take it into account price as well. We know Garrett Temple is on you know $4.5 million, something around that range. It'll be five, five next year, yep. $5 million, sorry. It goes up a little bit. Tyler Johnson, you'd like to think, would probably take a vet minimum from most teams. And, yeah. you know, does that price and does that roster and does it, you know that extra $4 million go elsewhere? Because obviously the Nets do have a team option with Garrett Temple. Um, I've said before that I think that Garrett Temple should be on the team next season. One bad game doesn't necessarily change it for me because I do think that he provides good leadership. I do think he provides uh, a good defensive acumen. He's a much better defender than Tyler Johnson, despite the fact that TJ does show good effort and, and real peskiness and is much more athletic and quicker. Um, but I think Garrett Temple's leadership um, and you know value in the locker room, I think he's a guy that Gar- uh, Kyrie Irving has said that you know he, he has wanted to have on this team. And I think that 
despite the fact that not many people might like to hear this in terms of, you know, the superstars, why do they get to pick who's on the roster, blah, 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 blah. I think Garrett Temple is going to provide value in that respect to sort of be in the ear of a, of a Kyrie Irving, of a, of a Kevin Durant and sort of provide a sense of stability uh, and steadiness in the locker room that Tyler Johnson, you know, it's not necessarily that he won't provide it. It's just that Garrett Temple has been through the league. He's been quoted by Bradley Beal as being the best teammate um, he's ever had. You know, that's something as well, you know, that could bring Bradley Beal to the team. And if Bradley Beal does get traded to the team, then Garrett Temple's most likely going to be on it. It's the reason why DeAndre Jordan's on this team right now, because he's friends with uh, two of the superstars that we have on the roster. So if I, there's a, there's a world where I can see both, Nick. Uh, there's a world where I can see one or, or neither. You know, the, the roster yeah. construction is going to be absolutely, uh, totally intriguing. And it's a, a massive offseason, probably even bigger than the last one when we were talking about them going crazy for Katie and Kyrie. But give me Garrett Temple at this early stage, but don't lock it in. Don't set it in stone. That idea can certainly change. Uh, and it's definitely more malleable uh, than some of the takes that I've given on this podcast. It's very 50-50, as uh, I guess the poll is reflected in uh, on your Twitter page. Yeah, and I think there's even a chance, obviously, like you mentioned, Jack, that both could be on the team. It really depends on what other moves are made because it's so much, you know, like you can only have so many guards on the team or so many players at X position or, you know, fit a certain type of role, especially when you're trying to make that championship run. You want to have versatility on the roster. So that'll be the real question with these guys. And I think a lot could also depend on, like, Spencer Dewey and Karis Avert, if they're still on the team or if they're not. That's a good point. And that's going to be probably the big talking point for – for many, many, many weeks to come, and probably, you know, it's going to be on this podcast. We'll be talking about that quite a bit, and obviously, we're not going to necessarily analyze it every single time, but we'll talk about Karis Avert's game, I guess, there, Nick. It's a, it's a nice little segue. 34 minutes, 6 of 14 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3. Two uh, catch and shoot threes. That's nice to hear. Uh, four di- uh, six dimes, sorry, four uh, boards, two steals, only three turnovers, 15 points. Uh, was minus 24, uh, was probably the poorest Brooklyn net in that regard. But his impact, what did you think, Nick? You know, there's a lot of people that are probably watching these Brooklyn Nets just to see what Karis Avert is and what he can be either on their individual team, either or on this Brooklyn Nets team as that third guy. Um, we're going to keep. I'm going to keep asking this question. We're going to keep talking about it. Did you see anything else that you think could make me go? All right. Well, maybe he can't be next to Katie and Kyrie. Maybe he can be in those closing lineups. Maybe he doesn't just have to be that sort of six man. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I thought you know obviously anytime he hits a catch and shoot three, that's a real positive. He hit two in this game. I think he attempted either three or four, like you mentioned, being six. three. Of, well, no, I'm six. saying catch and shoot. In terms oh, okay. Of, cool. 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 Yeah. Yeah, so like two of them were pull-ups, and I think four of them were catch-and-shoot opportunities. So yep. two, two of four from that, 50%. You're happy to see that. Shot looked pretty good. Kind of like we mentioned on the last show, though, you could see a little bit of a difference in the mechanics from different areas on the floor, which right. is never an amazing sign, but always good to see them go in. And I think this game, like mentioned earlier, since they eliminated that pick-and-roll and just were able to kind of frustrate Karras a little bit more than normal, like you saw in the first quarter, some of those double teams came a little bit quicker, a little bit higher, and they forced them into some turnovers. So... I don't even know if there's like so much you can take from this because like we mentioned going to the preview, Karis is never going to be in this situation again. Like there no NBA player is really going to be in a situation when they're surrounded by this least amount of talent. You know what I mean? Like even yeah. if you put a, any, unless you're a top 15 guy, 
I'm not sure how much you could succeed right now, given that the other starters, and this is no disrespect to these guys, they're NBA players. They're just not NBA starters in the playoffs when you're starting with Garrett Temple, TLC, and Tyler Johnson. Like, you're going to get all the attention. I mentioned to you off air, there was a play that they broke it down on the Nets broadcast, either at halftime or in between the third and fourth quarter, where, you know, Karis Levert and Jared Allen are running a pick and roll. Four Raptors have their feet in the paint, and one guy is on Karis. So, like, there's just so so much is limited, and they're just trying to take him out of the game, and they've done a really good job of that. So I'm not sure how much you can take from this series moving forward for him because it's just a position that he's really not going to be in or many NBA players are ever going to be in. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, if you're comparing what this roster is right now, I couldn't tell you many rosters in the NBA that are worse. You know, maybe the New York Knicks in, in terms of current construction. Not saying overall, I think if you have a Kosovert and a Jared Allen, you've got two starters. Garrett Temple is a fringe starter. Tyler Johnson is not a starter. TLC is not a starter. And the guys that are in the rotation, you know, Chris Chioza, um, guys that are playing 10 minutes more, Justin Ennison, Jana Musa, Lance Thomas, these guys aren't really NBA players. Fringe or, NBA players. Fringe NBA players at best, like you sort of mentioned. So, yeah, this uh, the, the roster right now, it, it you know, the Nets are doing with what they can. They're continuing yeah. to show that grit, that uh, that effort that, you know, is, is standard and required. And, we we want we expect nothing more uh, than that, especially against a, a Raptors team that is incredibly healthy and just uh, hitting on all cylinders. So you, you can't expect nothing more than that, I guess, Nick. But the the other starter that we should get to is uh, the man that I, I was calling no scrub in the last episode, <laughs> and he was uh, throwing waterfalls uh, left, right, and center throughout this uh, bubble experience, Orlando experience. It was TLC not his best night? Three of eighteen from the field, two of them from three, hit both free throws. Did have three boards and three dimes. Uh, had 10 points overall. Did this game, uh, I guess a similar question to what I asked you about Karis Avert and, and the other guys, did this game change your mind about TLC being a future Brooklyn Net, Nick? Not too much. I think we even touched on it in the last show. You know, we said he was a streaky shooter. This was pure streakiness. You know, he shot really well, and now he's dipping down, and he lost some of the magic. I think the only other positive is, you know, some of the misses weren't terrible. Where, you're like, no offense to Garrett Temple, I was watching him shoot threes, and a lot of the time I could see on the release that it was going to be a miss. Where at least, like, you're watching TLC, and it's like, hey, it rimmed out, it was halfway down, or just, you know, you're off by a little bit. So I think there's still promise there. And, you know, his cutting is still a positive. I think that's one area you like to see from TLC, a couple nice cuts in this game wasn't always able to translate it into a bucket but you like the movement off ball and defensively he's doing the best he can being so undersized yeah i think that the nets need more cutters in terms of mm. just guys that move we know Rody does that when he's at his best you know the kenny atkinson version of the brooklyn nets with d'angelo russell you know the amount of cutting and the, the portland play that we ran for joe harris and d'angelo russell quite consistently it was such a pretty play and I'm not sure how much cutting there will be with two incredible ISO players in Kyrie Irving uh, and Kevin Durant and Carlos Levert for that matter. You know, like it's important though, Jack, like you said, to be cutters when guys are isolating. You just don't want that stagnant offense because it just makes it so easy for someone to play help defense when they don't have to worry about you. And like these little sneaky backdoor cuts we've seen from TLC or Rody, they just make the defense a little bit more uncomfortable and it makes them think one think a little bit more about taking that step inside. 
Yeah, and, and I think that unless you're running a Houston Rockets-style system where it's just in ISO and, and, and a totally spread four-out, five-out system, you know, you want a bit of movement, ball movement, player movement, and it just makes the, it makes the defense think a little bit more. Even if, you know, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are incredible, you know, one-on-one players, they'll take down anyone in the NBA in that respect. And they're both decent enough passes as well to, to make the right read at the right time. So it'll it'll be interesting to sort of see. And I think TLC still does have some value, Nick. But the other guy that made it... a little bit on his, like, uh, relocating or just, like, moving up on certain plays so he can put himself in a better position for, you know, the driver, the, the play creator to find him for that three-point ball. There was, like, a possession in this game where Karras was talking to him, like, hey, you just got to step up a little bit more in that position in terms of, like, stepping up to the break so Karras could get the pass off because the angle he was at, it would just kind of be impossible with the way the defense was playing. Yeah, yeah. And, and th- those smarts will hopefully come. And, you know, it's interesting to sort of think about it. I guess the team construction overall, well, we can't help but think about it because it's what the, you know, where the there's not much to think about in terms of the game overall. You think We're counting down to next year. <laughs> we're counting down to next year. I posted a photo of, of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant sitting and smiling on the bench. And that's what we're all thinking about for next season. And in that respect, you know, uh, how much value will a, t- a streaky TLC provide compared to a vet sort of a vet guy, maybe like a Jamal Crawford or something? who can get some buckets out there. It's going to be interesting. A guy like Garrett Temple. Garrett Temple, Tyler Johnson, these sort of guys. You know, do you want specialist guys? Do you want guys that are purely three guys, purely D guys? Uh, The roster construction is going to be fascinating, as I've said about a million times in this pod. But we'll get to Chris Jones in there because it was a nice game for him. Uh, Five or ten from the field, three or five from three. Hit a a free throw, uh, had three dimes, four steals and 14 points in 23 minutes. Uh, Was this Chris Jones' best performance in maybe as many games as we can think of? Yeah, I mean, he looked a little bit more spry in this one. We, I mentioned on the last show, I thought maybe his hip was bothering him. He looked a little bit more aggressive. And offensively, when he's, like, actually scoring, he just becomes that much better. You like the four steals, you know, active hands. But I think, like, the deficiencies are still there for Chioza. So it's still hard to, like, take away if he's an NBA player yet. The passing and the playmaking is great, but the offense is so inconsistent. And defensively, there is obviously still the issue of being undersized. But I thought in this game, he actually had some nice defensive possessions. I mean, everyone's sort of talking about the comparison to Fred Van Vliet, left, right, and center, Spider-Man he's meme, there. I think, <laughs> Iron Eagle. He's the, Fred Van Vliet is going to earn himself a 15 to $20 million contract in the offseason, and uh, Chris Shows is still establishing himself as an NBA player. So, I mean, if he can get halfway there, you know, that's a, a guy who's worth $10 million. That's an incredibly valuable player in the NBA. So, But if he continues to show this, he's going to he's gonna make his way. And now he's going to... It's, it's about consistency and creating his own offense, because we know what he can do. It's about the things that are his weaknesses. How can he bridge those gaps to sort of maintain uh, his NBA stature, I guess. Out of the rotation, guys, Nick, before we get to some draft stuff and some general sort of game stuff, did anyone stick out to you? Hall, Thomas, Martin, All garbage Anderson? minutes. Yeah, all yeah. pretty much. Anderson got a little bit of run, but Vaughn didn't even like him, and he went up Musa in the third quarter before him, so that says a lot. Rodion's continues to struggle. You know, he had, like, one nice drive in this game where he hit a pump fake, I want to say, either on Siakam or OG, then drove to the rim, had a nice little finish, but a lot of the stuff from the bench guys was just all pretty much garbage minutes, and to be honest, I think, like, Vaughn put them in, and the score, the Nets were down 20, and then it ended up being, like, 30 at one point, so not a great performance from those guys even coming off the bench. Yeah, I mean, the Nets are always going to keep on trying to win, but there's a point where it's just like, what is the value in trying to get back into this? If, we're, if our starters can't do it in the first place, you know, you don't want to play them 40 minutes plus. You know, that, that happened in the game. 
yeah, and that happened in, in the previous game where we were much closer and we had Joe Harris on the floor. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how sort of Vaughn goes about it in the upcoming game four. But anything else that you wanted to touch on, I guess, with this game overall, Nick, before we get to a bit of draft news and a bit of sort of trade talk I'll throw at you? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the Raptors just kind of controlled this game from the start. And the Nets can't allow that to happen because if the Raptors get that, you know, 10, 15 point lead to start in the first quarter, it's going to be an uphill battle like we talked about in game one. And I think just to give some credit to the Raptors, Fred Van Bleet has been playing really good. I know you mentioned him a couple of times in the show, but I'd say he's probably been their best player in the series in terms of consistency in production. He's been a real problem. Maybe Hubie Brown wasn't so crazy last year voting him for finals MVP. Maybe, maybe it's going to happen just one year later. Maybe that's he's what he's earning a ton for. of money. Yeah, that's what he was thinking about. He's like, mate, you know what? He's not going to win finals MVP this year, but I'm going to put my vote in now in case I don't get one for next year. I'll give him a finals MVP for next year. It, they're a great team. Um, as much as I hate some of their guys in terms of the way they play and some of their tendencies, uh, they're a really good team. and They're, they're going to be right there for the championship, uh, no doubt about it. But, Nick, we'll get to the draft. And the uh, order was set. The Brooklyn Nets have pick 19. Now, we'll be diving deep with some guests uh, about you know, different mock drafts, different guys the Nets could take, um, you know, because we have guys that are, are really switched on with this sort of stuff at OGG Basketball uh, and beyond. But just a purely general talk about the picnic. Right now, as of 8.39 a.m. in Melbourne, Saturday, August 22, do you think that the Nets keep this pick or do you think that the Nets trade this pick for an established player? What do you want? What do you think? I think they need to trade the pick, Jack, because we already talked about, you know, constructing the roster and having limited spots on this team. And like you don't want to, you know, use these spots for guys that aren't going to help you contribute to a playoff run or a finals run. So I think logically the the thing to do would be to trade this pick either to get a, a veteran like you mentioned or trade it to get a future pick, which you could use during the season at the deadline or whatever it might be to gather another player that takes you to that next level or just gives you assets for the future. Because I can imagine you know the player that they select at 19 having a big role on next year's team and given that we're already having discussions about like who's going to make the team it just it would put them in a weird situation so I think it makes the most sense to trade here yeah I, I I agree with you on that you know I think that there'll be some teams that will want to get some assets and you know the Nick that the, the could be that pick could be part of a, a lot of different packages yeah. it's not the not the worst pick in the world it's also not the best pick in the world and what's a, a little bit especially of a week. this draft yeah especially in this draft and, and where a lot of people are saying next year's draft is absolutely stacked so how much do people value this pick who, who knows but uh, I I expect and, and I guess want it to get traded the only circumstance where I could see it uh, staying here is if the what i have heard um, from guys at otg and and elsewhere is that the, this draft is is quite stacked with good role players mm. uh, and sort of guys that can just sort of some three and d guys later on who aren't necessarily gonna be superstars or all stars but they could be really good pinch hitters as role players starters fringe rotation players and if that's the case you know i, I think the nets should draft for fit and, and find the best three and d guy they can um, and a guy that just hits that three ball and can play good defense, has size, and can play in that in starting, closing, whatever sort of lineups. And maybe that's a guy that's had four years uh, in the college system more than someone who's a little bit raw and fresher, a la Nicholas Claxton and Rodion Courts, these sort of guys who Marks has drafted in the past. And, you know, I know our guy Nolan Jensen put out um, a, a little bit of a tweet the other day saying, you know, that with Pete, with um, that mid-range first-rounder, we know how good... 
Sean Marks is that selecting guys there. And I sort of responded with every decent pick that he's had with the sort of mid-range first rounder and second rounder. Karis Jared Allen, Nicholas Claxton, uh, Rodion Skurutz. Uh, the, the man knows how to pick a guy. Um, and, you know, if he does make that pick, I expect it to be a good one. Uh, obviously, Jean Amos is probably the only X uh, to the name. I mean, you know, Nicholas Claxton is still unproven, but I would expect it to get traded, Nick. Um, and I think that there's a, a lot of depth that the Nets need to act, to add to this uh, to this rotation. Um, we know Kyrie Irving has said it before, um, but there's a, a big part of me that does agree with that, that we need to add to this rotation. In a way, when you're looking at... This Toronto Raptors team is almost the emblematic of what the Nets want to have. Uh, and that a solid eight-man rotation with guys that 9, 10, and 11 can pinch hit if there's some yeah. injuries there. Um, and they should look to that roster construction. Masai Ujiri is, is a goddamn wizard in that respect. Sean Marks is pretty good himself. So I think that they need to continue to build that depth and rotation, continue to make the hard moves and, and analyze and assess what can be who can be on this on a roster uh, that is going to be competing for a championship in 2020, 2021? Yeah, I think the only other option maybe with the draft pick would be like a Eurostash. You know, somebody, I don't know a ton about the draft yet, but maybe somebody that's going to stay overseas for a year and then they can bring over the next season or later down the line. But I agree, Jack, you pretty much nailed it on that. And, and one final thing, Nick, because uh, I wasn't necessarily going to say it, but I saw it on your Twitter, so I thought that we'd have a little bit of a chat about it. And the, the Nets, uh, Nets Twitter will get uh, in uproar about any player. So let's want to throw a new guy in there. One of the Ball brothers, Lonzo. Lonzo <laughs> Ball trade chatter has heated up, according to at Real J Williams, and this is via Scoopy Robinson, who has been a big reporter in terms of Brooklyn Nets news and uh, is really getting some credibility in my eyes. And you said not super surprising. Would it be super surprising if he was a Brooklyn Net, Nick Faye? You know, I don't hate Lonzo's fit on the Nets. Like, you know, he would give them that defensive guard who's he's he the, the real question with him is like, is his three point percentage from the season real or is it just an outlier where he just shot good this season because we saw how bad he shot in the bubble? But I think the real concern with him would be that contract. You know, I think he's making like 11 this year. 14 is his cap hold in like 21-22. So like the Nets would end up having to pay him a lot of money to be that backup. I don't know if you think that he fits better on the team than Spencer or Karras. And I think I'd rather take the talent in that situation given Lonzo so unproven. If it was at a smaller number, I think it would make more sense. But given his contract will be up too and you'd have to pay him, I'm not sure it makes much sense. The details matter, Nick. You hit the nail on the head right there. And uh, I'll say it again. Chris Dunn. Sign and trade, make it happen. Who I've been maybe a little bit intrigued with, especially like obviously Philadelphia has not been great in this series, but he did a really nice job on Kemba Walker in game one, and that was Josh Richardson. Yeah, and, and with that's that name sort of we've talked about around. it before. We have, you know, obviously the sort of they're both uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and him are both on that sort of ten million dollar range. So you know, we know that the Brooklyn, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers need a guy who can handle the ball a little bit, a point guard who can shoot and create offense. You know, it, it's certainly intriguing. He's been a a little bit poor in, in this postseason, but then who hasn't for the Philadelphia 76ers? And he's being asked to do a little too much for his skill set. He has, uh, but he also, you know, the the role that he, Brett Brown has in playing and in both on both sides of the floor just doesn't necessarily fit what he does best. You know, if you're looking at Miami Heat, Josh Richardson, he was you know, great. And, you know, that contract is uh, quite friendly in, in a lot of respects. So plenty of guys and uh, no doubt in the offseason, uh, we're not going to be starred for content at all uh, here on the Brooklyn Buzz. We'll be analyzing free agents, coaches, trade options, all those different things. And we're doing it in, in bloody August, Nick. So uh, it's fun to talk about. Um, 
who knows what will happen in game four, but I'm sure there'll be some things for us to take away that we can chat about. And uh, Matt will be back. It's going to be it's going to be an intriguing time, Brooklyn Nets fans. Yeah, hopefully the Nets can give us a little bit of a better game four. If not, like you said, Jack, plenty of offseason content to discuss. And with the NBA pushing back the date a little bit, we'll even have more time to discuss it. But as always, big pleasure talking hoops with you, Jack. And big thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams at events. Major League Baseball is back in action. There's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partner, Bet Online. Check out all the odds and prop bets to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline has sat down with former pro athletes Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they have to say on what it's like playing without fans in a series they're calling Pandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.